everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 164th episode of the podcast that Mike and I have been doing for like over three years now, going through all of the Marvel superhero adventures from the beginning. We started with the Fantastic Four number one from 1961, and we have made it to uh, the merry month of September 1967. Uh, we are finishing up the first week of September, which was actually October uh, August 31st. And then we're going to get into the second week of September, September 7th, with the following comics. Tales of Suspense 96, Tales to Astonish 98. You know, we almost never do both of those books in the same episode. They're almost always separated mm-hmm. these days. Daredevil 34, The Avengers 46, and Fantastic Four 69. God, so much Marvel. Do you ever think, like, I wonder what DC's doing right now? I know what DC's doing right now. And I, and I, I, it would be a different kind of fun. <laughs> I was just looking at it. You know, they're still doing uh, the captions or the, uh, you know, dialogue on the cover era. Yeah. Whatever that is. Like, oh, no, Superman, don't do, don't kill me or I have to kill you to save the planet or something like that. You know, I think we're in the middle. Is this the middle of their, their checks era where they have the black and white checks across the top? I do not see any checks. I see a super boy turning into a, fighting a super gorilla. Mm-hmm. I see. I'm trying to give you the Supermans because you've probably read these ones for sure. Uh, look, those bullets are bouncing off you. You're super like me. That's Lois Lane. That probably happens every other issue, though. Where she gets powers. Uh, yeah. And then let's see. Superman is also fighting Jorel, maybe, and his brother. I can't read. See, Mike's doesn't really do really big covers, so it's hard to read. Yeah, Super yeah, the brother. covers are kind of low res. Super brother against super brother. I don't know if you remember that, Jim. I feel uh, like I do. Well, well, Clark's had a few mysterious brothers show up, so I'm not sure which one that was, but I did see. read it. Batman's giant. So, yeah, they haven't really gotten to serious mode yet, it looks like. No, no, the um, the Bronze Age doesn't kick in for another couple of years whenever they realize, hey, we Marvel's should maybe selling. take our stories a little bit more seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Marvel's selling and none of their characters talk on the cover. Right, at least not usually. They do have giant captions, though, that say, this is the greatest book ever, but that's Right, it. and to be fair, it is. It is. Especially that, you know, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're not doing Doctor Strange tonight. No, we're not. Actually, this is a pretty good run tonight, except for maybe a uh, old Subby. But otherwise, I, I was thinking it was pretty good too. And I think I actually had some good things to say about Subby. We'll find out when we get okay, there. Okay, great. So maybe it'll be a hundred percent night. All right. So we are starting out with Tales of Suspense, featuring Captain America and Iron Man. Remember whenever they thought this was just going to be the Iron Man comic and they put start putting Iron Man's name big on the cover? Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, they're like, actually, we're going to do Cap 2, so yeah. we're going to have to start calling this suspense again. Um, Captain America, though, is listed first, possibly because it's his cover, to be reborn, and he is falling through the air as people on buildings try to shoot at him. Open up, and we have the exact same picture, but it's Iron Man <laughs> falling. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
He has been turned to stone by the gray gargoyle. We have a title of the story is The Deadly Victory. Iron Man's thinking, the terrible touch of the gray gargoyle has turned me to stone. I'll be unable to move for a full hour, which will be how long it takes me to fall all the way to the ground or until the effect wears <laughs> off. And if I strike the ground in this form, my fate will be the same as any statue dropped upon solid concrete. I'll be smashed to smithereens. Unless Jasper Sitwell noticed that sand truck standing near the loading platform, it's my only chance. It's like the movie serials where you have the big cliffhanger and the next episode comes on and you find out all the stuff that they had nearby that resolves the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Greg Argyle says, farewell, Iron Man. You should have known better than to challenge my deadly touch of stone. With you out of the way, nothing can stop me from seizing Tony Stark's new cobalt weapon. The weapon which will give me mastery over Thor himself, enabling me to win his enchanted hammer. And with it, the immortality I seek. So this is a bit of an act of vengeance. We have Thor's bad guy coming after Iron Man. How's that for mm. summarizing our previous tale without using a single caption? But enough recapitulation. Let's see what waits ahead, as only these panicky pussycats can show us. Presented by Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon, embellished by Frank Jacoya, lettered by Sam Rosen. Here we go, kids. So, you know, gravity. It's pretty great. It's, it's known worldwide for operating very slowly. <laughs> so as Iron Man is falling from this not very tall building, Jasper Sitwell runs across the field, grabs a sand truck, figures out how to hotwire it, turns it on, drives it forward, accelerates up to the building so that Iron Man can land in the sand of the truck. And since it's sand, of course, it's soft and Iron Man does not crack to pieces. And Jasper Sitwell's like, whoof, I'm from S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm so cool. Uh, meanwhile, the gray gargoyle starts bashing his way through Tony Stark's factory. He finds the cobalt weapon. He yoinks it out of its... Um, out of its glass cage, uh, there's an alarm. Um, all of that takes an entire hour <laughs> because Iron Man is okay again now outside. He's on the ground. Jasper Sidwell has him right behind the truck. I guess, you know, they were just huddling there for a long time. Maybe Jasper was reading the comics. I don't know. But Iron Man's all better. The police are running up. They go inside to find the gray gargoyle running down the halls with his um, cobalt weapon. He and Iron Man fight out. Iron Man finally realizes that if you're fighting somebody who can touch you and turn you to stone, ranged weapons are your friends. So he uses his repulsor beams, knocks the device out of his hands. Jasper Sidwell jumps in, tries to grab it. Gray gargoyle grabs it instead. Um, Iron Man... um, while they're fighting, the ceiling comes down and crushes him. He gets out from underneath the rubble and sees that Jasper Sitwell has been turned to stone. Greg Gargle is using the cobalt weapon to shoot down some cops. He jumps away, flies away. Iron Man blasts him with his repulsor beam. But Gray Gargoyle's Gray Gargoyle touch even turns his repulsor beams into big old stone starbursts. Because that makes sense. And um, Iron Man, um, what does he do? He pulls out a widget from his costume, from his armor, uh, his chest transmitter at the exact frequency to short circuit the cobalt ray device, which he does. And the feedback from the cobalt ray turns gray gargoyle back into regular gray gargoyle, like not the stone guy, just the regular guy. And Iron Man, meanwhile, um, using up all of that energy, has drained his heart 
and he is falling to the ground about to die. Jasper Sitwell says, oh no, I have no other choice to save Iron Man. I must remove his helmet. Next, the man called Whiplash. Whoa, Iron Man 2 finally. Right? (laughs) Uh... It's weird, like, this story is all kinds of bonkers. Every corner you turn is just, what the hell? But I still enjoyed it. I don't know why. That's exactly what I was thinking. The The logic of the plot, I mean, barely holds together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it doesn't at all. The sequence yeah. of events are fine, but all of the explanations are bonkers. And yet it was extremely fun to read all the way through. I like this caption as lest any scoffers amongst you think we dragged this truck in out of left field. Take a look at our last issue. It was there all the time. And it's like, that might be true, but he wasn't in it uh, when Iron Man got pushed (laughs) off the building. So it's like, like you said in your summary, he had to get in the car, be able to turn it on, drive it over there all in time. So it was like, that was a really weird solution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not entirely sure that falling on a bed of sand would, is, would prevent a statue from breaking. Yeah. I mean, a bed of sand, it's not concrete, but mm-hmm. it's still pretty firm. It is, yeah. after all, ground. Yep. <laughs> right? It's not a water truck. Right. Um, um, and I'm pretty sure that Stan forgot how last issue went and just looked at the cover. Because when Jasper Sidwell gets turned to stone, Iron Man says, oh, no, he got turned to stone again. There is no again. He did not get turned to stone last issue except on the cover. Oh, yeah. But by the way, it also – and I don't know. The art doesn't really match the dialogue here, but I kind of like this idea. Iron Man supposes that Jasper Sitwell on purpose touched the Grey Gargoyle to turn to stone so that when the roof fell down, he wouldn't die. So it's like – That's, that's not a bad cool. strategy. That's kind of cool, except he should just crumble if that was the problem with the beginning of the story. But – Still, I like the idea that he took it upon himself to save himself because Iron Man couldn't do it. Yeah. You say he should crumble because the, the falling ceiling should have broken into pieces? Yeah. I mean, yeah, if that's yeah. what happens to concrete, right. then it would happen to a statue, right? But anyway, it's still kind of a cool idea. Um, what does the cobalt weapon do exactly? Um, well, I was thinking it was kind of like your difficulty with ray guns is that they do the same thing that bullet guns do, just fancier. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's just shooting people. Now, he says, I can put an army out of action with a flick of a finger. No need to waste more than just enough energy to stun you. I think he's mowing down cops, but, you know. But my, I guess my question is, he's still obsessed with Thor. This whole thing is still about Thor. Mm-hmm. And no one has told him, A, that you have to be worthy to lift a hammer. Although I don't know that that's been, like, beaten over the head with us either as of this period in Marvel. But uh, what does a cobalt ray going to do? to help him defeat Thor and get his hammer that he can't probably lift. You know what I mean? They need to win his enchanted hammer and the immortality. If you can lift it again, how does that grant you immortality? Other than, I guess, you have the powers of Thor if you're worthy, but you're not worthy. So none of this is me. Nobody's told this guy how Thor works, and he's still continuing to try and take Thor's stuff. Yeah, there is that. He might not realize that you have to be strong to lift the hammer. Um, He... (laughs) He may yeah. just be thinking he can go get it. Maybe the cobalt being a, a you know a nuclear weapon is hoping he it's going to be strong enough to to beat um, to beat Thor. I'm just kind of scrolling back through issue 95 to see if we get any more exposition on exactly how he's thinking this is going to go. I think if I were Iron Man, I'd be like, oh, okay, here's the cobalt thing. Go ahead, go fight Thor. That'd be fun. 
Right. Can, can somebody please record it so that I can laugh later? Because <laughs> this isn't going to work for you. Um, let's see. Stark's new weapon shall be mine. After that, immortality. Um, but I don't see anything about why it's going to work. Right. Yeah. Thor is notoriously vulnerable to guns. So. Yeah. Um, there is the whole thing about his um, thing lasting for an hour. They mentioned mm-hmm. it multiple times. Yeah. If they had just not mentioned it, they could have just said, whew, it wore off. Yeah. But no, it lasts for an hour. So therefore, he so, had to sit there outside the building for an hour. Either that or did they talk a really long time on top of that building before he pushed him off? But I don't think so. But either way, it's dumb. It either takes it either takes him an hour to break in and collect the cobalt ray or they were talking on that building for a really long time before yeah. he killed him. doesn't work either way. Um, I did go back and look. He just he just wants to defeat Thor and therefore gain his enchanted hammer and therefore become immortal. So yeah. I think I think Grey Gargoyle is just really confused. I think he doesn't. I think he thinks that if he can, Thor is immortal. Thor uses a hammer. Therefore, if I take Thor's hammer, I'll be immortal. So he's he's not really confused so much as misinformed. He doesn't guess. quite realize his logic, exactly what his what's logic going is on. leaping. I guess is my. Yeah. Problem. Like at no point did anybody ever suggest that Thor's hammer is what makes him immortal. You know, he's a god. He's immortal. Do we think that Jasper Sitwell is actually going to see that Iron Man is Tony Stark? I don't know, but I sure hope Jasper Sitwell stays in this story, this book for a while, because I'm enjoying his his participation. He's a more fun number two than Happy Hogan ever was. God, do you remember that there used to be a character named Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts? Because I totally forgot about them. (laughs) They got married. By the way, do you remember that Happy Hogan knew Iron Man's identity? And then just drove off. Yep. And then they went and got engaged, and we've never seen them since. Like, that was really weird. What a waste of drama. They did elope. Right. As just like this, uh, oh, by the way, we eloped, and that was the last time we saw them, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. We saw Pepper with the Mole Man story, I think, or something. That was just before the elopement. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there was like this one panel at the end of a story where they're like, hey, boss, we eloped. Mm-hmm. See ya. But, like, they set up that whole cool story with Titanium Man about how he finds out that he's really Tony Stark. And then, like, man, just nothing happens with that. What the heck? Nothing at all. Why bother with that? Um, You know, I'm putting together, by this point, I'm pretty sure it'll already be out. But I'm putting together our fourth epic collection. It's the Iron Man stories. And it goes up to issue Mm -hmm. 72, which is after the first, I think it's the first big uh, Titanium Man fight, the one that leads into the second Titanium Man fight, which is where Happy Hogan finds out his identity. Like, once the first Titanium Man fight happens, events in suspense don't let up. They don't stop. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes one big, long story. And yeah, Happy Hogan finds out his identity. And the last time we saw him was 91. We are going to ah. see them again in issues three and four of the new titles. So that's, what, seven issues away? Mm-hmm. Half a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. But then after that, it's sporadic. 19, 21, 26, 37. Happy Hogan is done being a regular part of this book for a long time. So the question will be, if we, when he shows up again, is it just a given that he knows? Or are they going to pre- pretend to forget that or something? He's kind of taken on this Pete Ross thing with, you know, Pete Ross and Superboy was the one who always knew his secret but never said anything about it. Just kind of lived his mm-hmm. own life and did whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony knows that Happy knows, but they're just not doing anything with it unless they want to. Right. Um, Man Called Whiplash, looking forward to that next issue. Although yeah. his, <laughs> I remember looking at his, his comic book design after seeing Iron Man 2 and thinking how ridiculous it is. Oh, yeah. 
But you don't uh, like green ponytails and, and pirate boots. And it's stuff? it's fine. It's sixties <laughs> silly, but it's fine. It's a comic yeah. design, right? Yeah, for sure. It did not. It would not have translated well to film. No, I'm glad they kind of did a different direction on that. It's actually pretty amazing. Not that we've ever talked about Iron Man two on the show, but like I think it's pretty amazing that they made Whiplash like kind of work. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes you hear there's a character that's going to be in a movie, and you think, "How are they going to do that?" That's just not even going to work. But it t- kind of worked. Remember how both the first and second films, sort of the the marketing, there was a lot of rumor mill that Crimson Dynamo was going to be involved, mm. and then he kind of, sort of was as like a background character with the whole Vanko thing. Yeah, he wasn't really like Whiplash. Whiplash. He was like a Whiplash slash Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, Iron Man powered Whiplash. Yeah. But it worked. It was cool. I liked it. Should I like Iron Man 2 more than, than most the world, I think, somehow. But yeah, let's move on. I also like Iron Man 2. I like Iron Man 3 a lot more than most of the world does. Yes, me too. I like all three of them quite a bit. To be reborn. Steve Rogers has been summoned to a police lineup to witness a trio of men injured while attempting to impersonate the real Captain America. Because Steve Rogers, of course, has given up being Captain America. He has made it public both that he's retiring and his private name. And so now these other people are coming in saying, well, if he's not Captain America, I can be Captain America to impress the girl, to get some cash, to whatever. Um, so Steve Rogers, I don't even know why he's been brought in. He doesn't have to identify anybody. He's just, <laughs> are they well, rubbing it in his face? No, Look they're what's also happening. going to work. They're they're warning him about the sniper guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, there's a greater danger we're worried about. A greater danger, eh? Sounds groovy. Let's see what's shaking, gang. An awfully offbeat Stanley and Jack Kirby action thriller inking Joe Sinnott, lettering Sam Rosen. And they're like, hey, so uh, the underworld is out to get you. That's why all these guys got hurt. They are trying to um, take out the real Catch America. And we're going to hatch a plan to trap them. So, um, there's this guy, he's a really good sniper. So they call him sniper sniper, no sniping. And, uh, basically his deal is that he's a super sharp precision shooter. Uh, not even with a rifle and scope though, like with a handgun, he can shoot a bullet through a keyhole of a house to come out the back window without damaging the front of the building. And like, Oh my gosh, you are so cool. He's like, yes. And I'm dressed like a... 60s artist. What do they call those? Um, beatnik? Beatnik. No. Yeah, 60s beatnik artist. No. He's got the whole toupee thing going and all that. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Captain America is out gallivanting around, getting shot at by thugs. He's trying to no, draw out. No, I, 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 jump, 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 jump. I know exactly what I'm doing. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I ruined your awesomeness. Okay. Steve, uh, Captain America is out there gallivanting around getting shot at by bad guys. Whenever, oh my gosh, it's not really Captain America because Steve Rogers is in his apartment looking out the window. Look at that fake Captain America. He's going to die. I'm going to leap out my window and save him. So he does. The sniper, meanwhile, is sitting in his window saying, I'm going to kill Captain America. So he shoots. And um, let's see. This is where I do lose a little bit of track. He, he shoots at Captain America. But then in another window is another Steve Rogers. He's like, oh, my gosh. Wait a second. If that's Steve Rogers saving Captain America, then who is this other Steve Rogers in the window? I don't know who to shoot at. I'll shoot at the window one first. So he fires. Meanwhile, S.H.I.E.L.D., has tracked down what window he's firing from. They come in and get him, figuring that the LMD 
the life model decoy of Steve Rogers that was in the window was a pretty good trick. And so back up on the roof, Steve Rogers uh, takes down the people who were shooting at the fake Captain America. Um, the fake Captain America is nobody. He's just another guy pretending to be Captain America. And Nick Fury is like, okay, so um, what are you going to do? Because there's a lot of stuff going on with this whole Captain America. Are you sure you want to retire? He's like, you know, maybe that plot line has played out. I think I'll be Captain America again now. <laughs> we hear you talking, Cap. Next, the Black Panther. That plot line had not played out at all, and they ended this way too fast. <laughs> yeah, and way too oddly. Like, <gasps> with all of the drama behind why he quit. Yeah, he solved nothing. And last issue ended with him sitting and, like, falling into his dreams. I was expecting, like, an exploration of his character in person in this issue. Like, you know, Captain America, this is your life or something like that. Yeah, like, why why he ultimately realizes it's important to continue. Besides mm-hmm. it being a reason. You know, this is a bad reason to come back. It's like, oh, because other people might dress up as my former identity and be killed. It's like, that's great and all, but that's not really on you. Yeah, that could happen even if you are Captain America. That's exactly what J. Jonah Jameson is complaining about people doing with Spider-Man. Children will try to commit, you know, duplicate his exploits. But I'm not um, wearing hockey pants. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, um, definitely an offbeat story. Yeah. Lots of Captain's America without really seeing... Steve doesn't even put on the costume in this, does he? I was going to say, that's this is probably the first time in the history of any Captain America comic that he's not been Captain America, right? Right. Uh, I know it's not the last time, but it's definitely the – it's got to be the first time because it hasn't happened in any of the books we've covered, so it certainly didn't happen in the Golden Age. There was So a, that was kind of interesting. I do remember a Superman issue, Action Comics 4 maybe, where he never becomes Superman. He uh, he's, yeah. in the, he's in the mines trying to oh, expose this, this mining thing. I've read thing. that. But he's he's a minor. He he doesn't ever turn into Superman. I believe that was Action Comics number two because I found it really odd that they went from or you know maybe not two but like the first new story after the original story arc was over because mm-hmm. I thought it was really odd that they just totally ditched his iconic look immediately for the next yeah. story. It was weird. Um, Nick Fury has convinced him to be Captain America. I love that Nick Fury and Steve Rogers continue to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And even though it's different in the S.H.I.E.L.D. series, I like that it gets reflected there. It's like Nick Fury does a lot of stuff not in the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic that completely gets ignored in the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic. I actually was really excited to see – I don't know what page it is because I can't read without my glasses. But uh, like second to last page, page eight I think it says. Yeah, page eight right when when the S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up. I kind of mm-hmm. was excited to see pre-Storenko S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of here because they're – you got Dum Dum with the derby hat, and you got Nick mm-hmm. with the suit on, and that was cool. Um, and I also like the end when they're, when when Nick's like, "Oh God, don't give me a blasted speech." He's like, "No speeches, just want to say thanks." And I was like, oh, "That was a cool ending, I guess." But yeah, yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. Just like zero exploration as to why he needs to stay cap, other than this weird reason. I feel like we're not actually done with this yet because my memory says that there's a lot more psychological hijinks that go on between him being Cap or not being Cap around the time that we transition to the actual title. Well, I think in Avengers, I've heard I've read at least five thought balloons of him wondering whether he should be Cap, which is more thought than he's put into his own title. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird. But uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? No. Good Black art. Panther's here next issue. 
Yeah, that's exciting. That's that that means we're basically starting whatever the story arc is that's going to end this and move into the his own book. That's true. We only have three more issues of suspense after this, and then it's Captain America 100. So that's pretty exciting. Transition for the show, right? You know, another negative is the whole thing is all about Agent Carter, and she's not even in this at all. Like, what the heck? Yeah, that's kind of what I was going earlier, and I forgot to say, is that his whole reason for not wanting to be Cap anymore isn't even explored in this. He yeah, just decides to start being he, Cap again. He doesn't even talk about it or anything. Mm-mm. It's really weird. Anyway, he wants, good art, though. He wants Agent 13 to give up being S.H.I.E.L.D., and he'll give up being S.H.I.E.L.D., and they can go off and be not S.H.I.E.L.D.s together, so he quits, but... She's still shield. Oh, well. Yeah. Exploration would have been good because he's, he's talked about it in Avengers, all kinds, like how he doesn't have a real life and stuff mm-hmm. or he doesn't know what he is outside of the costume. So it's like, that would have been a great story to delve into, but oh, well, anyway, you were saying good art. I, I didn't mean to talk over you. Oh, that's it. Just good art. It was really good. Kirby does it is. good stuff sometimes. Lots of times. Well, speaking of another title that's oh, coming no. to an end soon. I have to summarize this, don't I? I was all waiting for you to go on. Okay. We have uh, Tal- we have finished one week, and now we're going into a new week. Tales to Astonish, number 98, to destroy the realm eternal. Do I know what happened? Let's see. Um, the stage has been set. Mistakenly believing the regal submariner to have perished, the evil plunderer has abandoned his base on the sub-Antarctic Skull Island. Unknown to Prince Namor, his mind-staggering mission is to destroy the realm eternal. So he wants to kill Asgard. So we're going to just move on to Thor, I guess. Oh, wait. No. They're talking about Atlantis somehow. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps the most overwhelming comic and classic of all, Smiley Stanley proudly presents a Roy Thomas Warner Roth cataclysmic coup de grace, inked by Stanley, lettered by Artie Simek. So he leaves. Like, remember he was recouping with, like, the weird uh, aztec guys? I can't remember what they were really called. The Savages or something. Uh, yeah, I seems- had a name. I think that's. I think they were called savages, and that's not very nice because they don't seem all that savage. They seem pretty civilized. But anyway, so the sav- le- let's call them Savage Landians. Savage Landians. He leaves them. He jumps in the water. He feels better. Meanwhile, the plunderer is talking to some of his cohorts, and he's got this cool submarine, and he's going to attack Atlantis. Namor stops by old Atlantis again on his way back to new Atlantis, and once again gets really mad randomly. It seems like about the humans. Being horrible, he's going to kill them all, but first he's going to kill Plunderer, uh, at which point he beats up a killer whale who tries to eat him and uses the killer whale to swim back to Atlantis to save on more strength. He's really lost all his strength because that one thing hit him on the head, I guess. Uh, The Plunderer attacks Atlantis. Atlantis thinks maybe, or no, I'll get to that in a second. The shockwaves are picked up by a submarine that's also scooching around in the ocean, uh, Americans, I think. So they're like, well, let's just join in and bomb what we don't understand. So they send torpedoes. So now Atlantis is being, or not torpedoes, they send those like, uh, what do you call those things? Like uh, giant, um, um, what are those called? Like missiles? It's oh, like, those like drums? Canister. Yeah, canister of bomb, bombage, I guess. They drop those. And they don't even know what they're trying to kill, but they just do it anyway. Americans. So... Um, then Namor shows up and he starts fighting, but the Atlanteans kind of think that, oh, Namor must be involved. So after saving this one kid um, who's shocked and like, oh, we got it wrong, 
Prince neighbor? Yes, you got it wrong. I'm a good guy, but you're just a kid, so you can't really help me with this. Anyway, the Atlanteans start shooting at Namer um, because they think he's swimming around with the plunderer. And he gets knocked out. And there's war. So next issue, war. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. The plunderer attacks Atlantis. So Mariner tries to attack the plunderer, but Atlantis attacks him. The humans drop bombs just for fun and go away. And that's the setup. So now we're at World War Three, I guess. Well, yeah, because Atlantis is like, why are the humans attacking us? We're going to attack them back. Everyone's just attacking everyone. That's um, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attack, attack, attack. No questions. Th- to be fair, isn't this what Namor wanted? He wanted war with the overworld, but now he's too unconscious to enjoy it. I think he wanted all that except for the part where his own people attack him. But yeah. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that Namor would go through this whole story and never find out he was exiled. Like he would get back home and Dorma and Vashti would like repent and repeal the exile before he got there. Uh-huh. But, but no, the boy's like, t- we kicked you out. You kicked me out. What? You know, what's great though is I was surprised that his reaction isn't like um, immature. Right. He was, was, like, he was, he was kind of like, oh, they must be misunderstood. I better fix that instead of like, what? They dare. I was surprised at how well he took it. He's like, that seems reasonable. I would have exiled me too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Considering like page uh, – uh, 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 what is this page? Page three where once again he's going crazy about the humans just yeah. out of nowhere. That was just really weird again. Kind of made well, me roll my eyes a little bit. Hating the humans versus overreacting to his own people. Certainly overreacting to his own people is a thing he does. But Yes. Um, he's, but he's good at overacting in general, really. Namor, your passions will be your undoing. <laughs> you must learn to govern, govern your passions, yes. Right. I yes. love him cattle rustling a killer whale. That was mean. And also, do killer whales really eat Atlanteans? I mean, I guess that's not an answer that we could have an answer for, but – but no, they, no. They're uh, called killer whales, so of course they eat people, right? I think they're called that because they have teeth, right? Or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They just and eat also, small fish. Also, would they be that deep? Because they have to breathe. Oh, that's uh, true. That's also, the would they, would they be that cold? I don't know. Yeah. Actually, there, there are mammals that live in the ice waters, so never mind. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know how deep the original Atlantis was, but you would think it'd be pretty deep, or we'd have... Figured it out by now. But I don't know. That's, again, applying animal logic that we know today to 1967, which they probably didn't. So dinosaurs and whales, not their specialty, I guess. I love how in order to get back to Atlantis, which, you know, we've established is relatively near New York City. In Uh order to get back there, instead of just swimming, he rides a killer whale. Now, this is, again, I've talked about this before. This is a journey of like seven or 8,000 miles. Uh Uh-huh. An air flight needs over half a day to do something like this. Boats usually take multiple days. This says a few hours. A killer whale goes 35 miles per hour. That is only fast if you're in a residential area. It is not a speedy mode of transport. Yeah, I was going to say whales don't strike me as like super speedy. I don't really know, but. No, they are not. When you're giant like that, you don't really have to move fast. He should have grabbed a dolphin or something. Yeah, something. Or just um, swam himself because apparently he can swim at Mach 3 or whatever. Yeah. The plunderer says something really gross on page six. Wait, plunder, I'm getting a message from the Atlanteans themselves in English. And he says, of course, they're not barbarians. What does it say, fool? Wow. Good now, thing he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy, right? Good thing. Mm. Now, he's British, and they originated the language. But Mm. um, 
It was actually, I thought, maybe slightly unintentionally clever because barbarians, Mm -hmm. that's what the Greeks called people who didn't speak Greek because barbar was like imitating nonsense sounds because they don't understand the language. Oh, I guess we could give him that credit, but I don't know. What's funny is that from the Greeks perspective, the Romans were barbarians, but then the Romans took on the Greek words and a lot of Greek culture and started calling other people barbarians. So anyways, I was, I don't remember why or what I was thinking about, but somehow, Oh, I was reading, rereading like ultimates, the original one, you know, or Mm -hmm. ultimates two or something like that. And it has captain Britain in it a little bit in ultimates two. Yeah. Yeah. And I suddenly realized for the first time in the history of my comic book reading, I bet Captain Britain has an English accent. He probably does. I would imagine. It's just funny you bring up that that the plunderer has an English accent because when I read these captions, I you know we all have our little internal voices. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever applied an accent to obviously the plunderer or Captain Britain, but they would have one. So that's weird. It's kind of weird. I don't know if I've applied one to Captain Britain in my own voice head voice either, which I should have done because. I mean, yeah. all, of his, all of his stuff takes place in England. Excalibur, it's in England. Yeah. The Captain Britain series, when he's not world hopping to different universes, he's in England. Yeah, that changes everything. Like, I want to reread every Captain Britain thing I've ever read now and, and add an English accent. But okay, so he doesn't ever side- say, like, bangers and mash and stuff. No, they don't give him stereotypy, choppy mm-hmm. British. What, well, what, cheerio, pip, pip. <laughs> right. But you know what? I bet you I've read in an English accent old uh, Umbrella Guy. What's his name? Uh Pinkerton? Pinky Pinkerton. I think he sounds very English to me. Mm-hmm. He does. But, that, but that's why. They make they do those little affectations or whatever. And yeah. This thing. Yeah. Little side note on Captain Britain. Have you read much Captain Britain? Just Excalibur. I read a lot of Excalibur back when I liked X-Men stuff. So for a long time, the only Captain Britain I had read was his Marvel team-up appearance. When Chris uh, Claremont has him uh, do a Spider-Man story with Arcade. Yes. I think it's oh, yeah, issues yeah. 65 and 66. Yeah, okay. I read that too. That was good stuff. So in the Captain of Britain series in England that ran weekly for a year or so in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, they did a lot of stories. And then they ended with reprinting that Marvel team-up strip. And this was during the time when the Captain Britain story was blended into the Spider-Man book. And so having Spider-Man and Captain Britain in the same story made sense. When he flies back from New York to England at the end Mm -hmm. of that story, Mm -hmm. the plane crash lands and Captain Britain gets plung through a portal to another dimension, has sword and sorcery adventures with the Black Knight and then gets flung through another dimensional portal. And that's whenever the big weird Alan Moore, um, Grant, um, whatever that artist's name is. Alan Davis. Alan Davis. Yeah, that's it. That Mm -hmm. um, sort of revamps Captain Britain. And I just thought it was a nice bit of continuity. This one Marvel team-up story that was the only Captain Britain I'd read was actually his gateway Mm. into becoming the Captain Britain we all know. That's cool. I actually like, like, I didn't ever, I always wanted to kind of read the original versions of that because Excalibur definitely touched on these these other dimensional Captain Britons and it being like kind mm-hmm. of a dimensional Green Lantern core sort of thing. I always thought that was a really cool idea. There's a lot of cool stuff in that Captain Britain um, after he gets revamped. The series before he gets revamped is all right. It's just more like, you know, typical 70s superhero stuff. Mm. Um, the the Alan Moore, Alan Davis stuff is is pretty great. Definitely worth a read. Yeah. But yeah, this was um this is a fun little chapter. I liked it. I mean it's 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 for Namor. I thought it stood above what we've been reading lately. 
Now, for people out there thinking what I'm thinking right now, would we be covering Captain Britain? Or is that like the wrong country so we would ignore it? Or is it already happening and we're just not paying attention to it? It is not happening yet. I would like to cover I would like to cover Marvel UK publications. Okay. I would do that too. I'd be down if for a while the only Marvel UK publications we have are the annuals, which we do have digitally. Okay. Whether they are kids. That's the seventies, I guess. Yeah, it's the seventies. Well the annuals start later. But yeah. If we get that far. When we get that far, where's your optimism? Speaking of, let's continue. So we get that far. Um, There's another story, uh, a Hulk story. It's called The Puppet and the Power. Um, And it's Stan the Man Lee and Mary the She. Is that literally what that says? Marie the the She. she. Marie the She Severin. Yikes. Have come up with another smasheroo, ably aided by Herb Trimp, Trimpe, Inker, Artie Semek, Letterer. Um, Since the Hulk's clouded brain is far less developed than his incredible strength, the great green-skinned Goliath is easily duped by the Lord of the Living Lightning into believing that the secret subservice group of traitors are really patriots. Thus, in his blind confusion, the raging giant sets out to fight in behalf of a deadly fanatic who plans to overthrow his nation's government. Um, so, yeah... The last issue, the guy's like, hey, can you go attack this army base? And he's like, yeah, you're my friend. I'll go do it. So he blows through the wall. <laughs> and one part of the lightning guy's like, dude, open the mountain fast. He's just going to blow through the whole thing if you don't open the doors for him. So they do. <laughs> and he gets out. Um, they arrest. They arrest. They cap- they've already got ca- Talbot captured, and they're just kind of keeping him there. Um, but they're like, let's let's uh let's follow the hulk in our own little spiffy ship so the hulk goes to the base and he starts attacking it remember how thunderbolt ross was willing to let hulk go because his daughter loves bruce well that's all out the window now because he gets a phone call that's like the hulk's attacking the base what i knew it that spider-man's a menace i mean hulk's a menace um he tells or betty starts crying he tells her to stay in the house where it's safe and he locks her up uh yeah, the Hulk's winning, and while he's winning, the lightning dudes with Glenn in their cool ship like land somewhere else to take over the base while the army's distracted with the Hulk, um, and they use their cool zapper guns. I guess they're maybe lightning guns because that's why he's the Lord of Lightning. I don't know why he's the Lord of Lightning, but he's got they got ray guns, and take all the dudes out, and of course, wouldn't you know it, that's also where Betty is, so they capture Betty because they know Betty's the daughter of General Thunderbolt Ross, the base leader. Um, they do manage, meanwhile, they do, the army does manage to um, knock out the Hulk because in a series of unfortunate events, like he goes to leap, and in order to leap, he has to take in a deep breath, but when he takes in a deep breath, it's bad timing because there's some sort of gas missile going on, so he knocks himself out, basically. And uh, just as they're patting themselves on the back, Thunderbolt Ross gets a call, from the lightning guy who's like taking over his desk and has his feet on it and stuff. And he's like, yeah, while you weren't looking, we took over the base. I got Glenn and your daughter. And Thunderbolt Loras is like, I hate you guys. Let's go over there. So he goes over there and confronts him. And they're like, you're going to do what we say. You're going to give us surrender this base. Does he want anything else? I think he just want, does he just want the base? Why does he want the base? 
I can't remember. There's something about this bass that he wants the bass. And Thunderbolt Ross is like, no, I'll never do it. And he's like, oh, yeah? Well, let me show you something. And they show him a room where Betty and an unconscious Hulk are in the same room. And he's like, pretty soon Hulk's going to wake up. And then guess what he's going to do to your daughter? Next issue, when the monster wakes. I think he just wants the military power of the base so that he can go back fight up okay. against America. So so for once there's not this weird, strange banner invented weapon that that everybody <laughs> wants. Because that's usually how it works. Usually. But I think he's just he's just trying to he's trying to fight the power so he can become the power. Okay. I still don't know why he's the Lord of Lightning, but whatever. I don't know either. I I think it's just a fancy name because they have a lightning bolt on their shirts. Do you, do you shoot tasers out of your face? It's a metaphor. <laughs> For what? Maybe I got tased in the face that one time. <laughs> um, Betty really wishes that she and Bruce could just go back to how it used to be. And I'm like, okay, it only used to be like that for like five minutes at the end of his first series. I read that too. And I thought that's what she has to be talking about. And that means they must have had like some really glorious months together that we've just never seen. Right. It's the only because otherwise they've never been together, really. And and really, I mean, they had a good relationship, and it, he hulked and left, and so she's just holding on to what they had, whatever it was. But I I, I really really want someone if they haven't already to write those months, and I'm sure I bet you someone has because you know there's nothing untouched in the Marvel universe at this point. But mm-hmm. Like that would be just a cool little miniseries. Like what happened between his first run and then Avengers one something. There's a there's an out of continuity Hulk series called Rampaging Hulk, and mm. it does a lot of early Hulk stuff, like new stories about early Hulk. And it, something in my brain is saying it might actually fill in between Hulk six and Avengers one, that but would that would cool. mean he's just out there being Hulk more and not being with Betty. Which yeah, makes I, don't, her, I don't buy that one. I makes her tenacity I think, even stronger. I, I think they. I think he was just Banner for a very long time, magically somehow, and then mm-hmm. he lost it. Three months of the best sex ever, and now he's off being a monster. Uh, and then he got picked on by some bully, and it was all over. Hulk goes down under gas. Even Superman succumbed to gas once or twice in the early days. So I'm down with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a whole lot. The 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 art is a little weird in some places in this chapter, and I yeah. don't know if that's Severin or if that's Trimpy getting used to the job of inking. Because even mm-hmm. Severin looks a little bit strange when she started. Stranko looked strange when he started. Maybe Trimpy is just you know finding his feet or his hands. Yeah, I kind of an interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, kind of an interesting setup. I don't feel particularly stressed about Betty's situation because I think we all know the Hulk's going to wake up and just be happy that she's there. Mm -hmm. He's not going to try and kill her or anything. No. But they don't know that. No, they're all like, Hulk's a monster. He's going to kill everybody. He has taken every opportunity he can to be nice to Betty, except for that one time in the first issue. Yeah. Um, I did look it up. Marie Severin said in an interview that Trimpy rhymes with Shrimpy. So it's Herb Trimpy. Okay, cool. But, um... Yeah, yeah, although I don't have a lot to say about it, I did enjoy reading this. It was a nice little romp fight stuff with the Hulk. The characters were there being mm-hmm. characters, and which sort of adds pathos to everything. And Tales to Astonish wasn't a disappointment for me this time. I was I was happy. It's going to be interesting to see how they deal with supporting characters and the Hulk now that his his identity is known and he's seemingly going to have to be like a roaming character. Mm-hmm. But yet, somehow, he's always going to have to come back to this base because that'll get old real quick, probably. So we'll see what they do. We will have Just to abandon, see. abandon them completely or keep somehow writing them in 
somewhere. I'm suspecting we're going to go through periods of both periods mm. of being, you know, home-based and seeing the characters, but also send a Hulk out into space to the planet and meet Jarella and stuff like that. Mm. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk versus Superman's brother. Right. <laughs> okay. Anything else about Hulk? No. Daredevil 34, the man without fear. Look, Daredevil's helpless. The beetle is about to unmask him. Doesn't look very oh, helpless no. on that cover. He looks like he's just standing there letting it happen. Mm-hmm. To squash a beetle. Bone weary, on the verge of complete exhaustion, Daredevil has followed the metal-winged beetle on foot, while the high-flying arch-villain has reached his far north hideout with the stolen priceless Regina necklace, which had been an en route to Expo 67 for display. And now, as the Beatles' men close in, Dee Dee desperately strikes back. So we, we were in this little, like, weird ghost town place that's, like, full of people sworn to the Beatle. It's like a weird mm-hmm. fugitive episode where he wanders into a town and everyone's working for the bad guy. Let's hear it for Stan the Man Lee. And, oh, speaking of the fugitive, I finished it. I was it the one-armed man? It was the whole time. They tried to make Dang. you think in the last episode that it was somebody else. But oh. it turns out there was somebody else in the house who watched the one-armed man kill his wife, but had been too scared to give testimony. And oh. so he's the one who's able to testify and get Richard Kimball off. So, Boy, yeah. that guy must be hated at this point. Yeah. How, many, how many seasons was he waiting for someone to, to four. testify for him? Jesus. Four. Four long years of wandering for his life. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, finished um, – Fugitive. I started the second season of Mission Impossible. I uh, started at the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man cartoons. That Fantastic Four cartoon is pretty solid. I mean, it's awesome. a 60s cartoon, Hanna-Barbera, but it's like direct adaptations of stories. And it's fun. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Anyways, quick TV tangent. Let's hear it for Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon, who bring you this action-packed thriller chiller, ably assisted by John Tartaglioni, inker, and Artie Simek letterer. Hold on to your hats, heroes. We're going to move. Okay, so we open right into the action. Daredevil is beating up the Beatles' thugs and also beating up the Beatle. He has those long, stretchy fingers, which make great grabbing and swinging things. He also has those metal wings, which act as shields and also weapons. He can take them off his back and use them for, like, bludgeoning. Um, So eventually they overpower Daredevil and stuff him in a van. They blindfold him and... uh, Let's see, where do they drive him? They drive him somewhere. Meanwhile, the Beatle is like, I'm going to flash back to my origin. <sighs> I was a guy and I made a suit. The end. Um, <laughs> literally, that's yep. all there is to it. <laughs> yep. So meanwhile, Daredevil is trying to get out of his bonds because people do that while they're tied up. They just try to get out of the ropes and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the truck lands at Expo 67, which is where the necklace was heading for, but they've come back here anyway. Um, the bad guys carry Daredevil into the exhibit. Oh, they come back here because the Beetle, he's into performance art now, y'all. He wants to unmask Daredevil in front of a crowd. So, meanwhile, Karen and Foggy are wondering where, um, if Mike Murdoch is okay, because he was on the train 
and he left them to go off and be Daredevil and fight the Beetle and he hasn't shown back up again. They're a little worried about him, but they're at the expo anyway, so they're going to go walk around. And they see the sign, Daredevil Unmasked, oh no, it's Mike. We got to go see if we can help him. So they go to the uh, exhibit and sure enough, Beetle has managed to like rent a stage. He's carved out some space for himself at the exhibit. I don't know if, if he filled out the paperwork like way ahead of time or if this was just, you know, sort of on the fly. He was able to get a space in this nationally um, promoted expo. In any case, Daredevil finally manages to get his ropes undone just as Beetle reaches for his mask. And he goes into action, starts fighting Beetle, starts fighting Beetle's thugs. It's being all camera filmed by the news people. And um, at one point, Beetle has Daredevil with his suctiony, stretchy fingers, and Daredevil's having trouble breaking free. And Foggy Nelson is like, "Oh no, I can't let that man stop Daredevil. I'm going to go help." So he jumps into the fray, leaps on the Beetle's back, starts beating him over the helmet with his bare fists, which is just enough for Daredevil to get free, get Foggy safe from the bad guys, and finish beating up the bad guys. Uh, the police are able to get the gun um, drawn on the beetle. They handcuff him and uh, they all walk away. Daredevil and Karen like, hey, you don't have my clothes anywhere, do you? And Karen's like, they're in a locker over there. And so, yeah, Mike Murdoch, a.k.a. Matt Murdoch, just living his life, gets to go turn into his civvy identity and walk home with his friends who knew he was Daredevil the whole time. And it's like... If only you just lived this life, Matt, this would be great. But no, he's mm. Mike, and he's all like, when Karen's with Mike, she's in love with Mike. When Karen's with Matt, she's in love with Matt. Why am I my own competition? Next, on the trail of the Trapster. Because you set it up that way. You made this happen. <laughs> uh. It's like the doctor talking to the Dalek. I watched it happen. I made it happen. Yes, you did, Matt. You made this happen. Do Beatles have giant stretchy fingers or I feel like these fingers are way more giant than they used to be. I said that last issue. I don't remember them being so stretchy like this. They were the big rubber hose nozzly fingers. I don't remember them stretching out like this. Like page two, that panel's craziness. Mm-hmm. That, it's like six feet long. Yeah. Where'd that come from? I can't wait till he gets his better outfit. Cause I don't love this one, but yeah, it's, it's a ways away. Sadly. Um, yeah. I don't, Love the Beatles' new look. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but he redesigned his helmet. Oh. Um, like, on page six, you get a good view of his helmet, and it's kind of cursed. Uh, he used to have goggle lenses over his eyes and antennae, and his helmet was purple. And oh. I thought that said Beetle a lot better than this, like, helmet with creepy ghost eyes in it. It's weird. Yeah, he used to have, you're right, I'm looking at an old picture now. He used to have, like, antenna and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot better. I mean, Beatles aren't known for being colorful, but he could have kept his colors. You know, because green and purple is so villainously Yeah, add more purple, too much green. Yeah. Um, cool little things you can learn from comics if you're being tied up. Just flex. Mm-hmm. And then the ropes are loose. Yeah. So you can get out of them. It's like that, that actually kind of makes sense, but only if you're like super buff like Daredevil maybe. Because right. I think if I flex, my body doesn't change. <laughs> if you just like push against the ropes the entire time they're, t- they're tying you up, then when you relax a little bit, they'll, yeah. they'll loosen up. 
the, I was I saw last issue at the end of the next issue box the origin of the beetle. I'm like, okay, right. I, I've never read the beetle's origin. I'm curious. It is literally, yeah. I was a guy in a lab who made a suit. Now I'm going to do crime. <laughs> That's it. I remember thinking that too when they when they teased us with his origin. I was like, does he have one? I mean, is it that, mm-hmm. is it going to be that big of a deal? And nope, it was not. Do you remember that cartoon, The Spectacular Spider-Man? Uh, yes, I think so. It was made There's by so Spider-Man uh, cartoons. Greg Weissman, who did Gargoyles, who's done so much. Um, I think he went on to do a lot of like Young Justice and stuff like that. Anyways. Yes, it was prematurely canceled, wasn't it? That was it sad. was. It was canceled whenever they did the whole Disney transfer. It was very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, the shocker, the they had one of the enforcers eventually decide to remake himself, and he made himself into the shocker. Okay. And fans were like, oh my gosh, why didn't you just use whatever his name is? And the guy Uh said in an interview, because, I forget the Shocker's real name, let's just call him Bernie Schwartz. Because Bernie Schwartz isn't a character. There's nothing about Bernie Schwartz that makes him a person. So we decided to use story to make the Shocker have a reason to exist. And that's why I kind of feel like is missing here. There's nothing about Abner Jenkins that is a person. He just put on a costume to do crime. Right. I and I'm I'm kind of down with like when media outside of comics like uh, consolidates things where you can. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. You want to distill the 70 years of comics into stories that are accessible and meaningful. Yeah. I mean, if that guy had no necessarily any particular reason to exist, then that's cool. Give it to somebody else. I believe in the MCU, there's been two shockers in that one movie, and I don't know if either of them were the right name, to be honest. I don't know. They get to the um, the expo, and I kind of half expected Foggy and Karen to see the Beatle unmasked Daredevil, and there's Mike Murdoch with his crazy glasses already on. Howdy, pussycats, what's up? Comics always have expos. Like, where are these expos? What the hell's what? What is going on with the expos? I don't know. I mean, there was the New York World's Fair, though, the the couple times. Yeah, but. yeah that was a real thing. And this is a Montreal one. I don't know if that's real. Oh, we're in Canada. That's why they had the uh, crazy hats uh-huh. and everything on the police at the end. I don't yeah. know. There are these weird uh, tree sculptures. Oh, Expo 67 Montreal was totally a thing. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it was a real place. I was place. just going to look it up. 67 the World's, the World's Fair in Montreal. World's Fair. Look at that. There's April, actually October. pictures. Yeah. So I bet you these tree sculptures of people were an actual thing, and that's why they're putting them in the art. And then even like in the MCU, they make like the Stark World's Fair, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like it's just such a comic thing. Like comics I, love World's Fairs. I figured the Stark World's Fair was a stand-in for the actual World's Fair because that ran in 1939 and 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, or they call it the Stark Expo by Iron Man too, yeah. or whatever. But yeah. I don't know. It's just a cool little thing. Like I'd never heard of a freaking World's Fair until I started reading Golden Age comics. And then there's like, there's World's Fairs. Oh, okay. They're a thing. That's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. But even in the 60s, we have a World's Fair. So um, I love that. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What do you love? I was just going to say, I love as much as like Foggy seems to really dislike Mike, that that doesn't mean he's going to let Daredevil die. That's literally what I was about to say. Yes. He's a good dude sometimes. Yes. Well, there's a difference between disliking somebody and, you know being horrible and just letting mm-hmm. someone be murdered. Right. I mean, I wouldn't do that to anybody that I can think of. So, and he's the only one in the crowd who jumps forward. He's like, I can't let him get beaten without even lifting a finger. And yeah, you know, he knows this guy. This is not exactly a friend, but somebody he has a personal investment in on some degree. 
Although I think the rest of the crowd is under the impression it's an act. They keep talking oh, they about what a great show it is. And Matt, of course, or uh, Foggy and Karen know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, cause even the Beatles like, oh, I could totally kill this Foggy guy that's hitting me on the head. But if I do that, the crowd will turn on me. Right. Uh, the last page is charming. I like Mike yeah. with his friends. And I just, mm-hmm. I wish Matt could do this without the lies. Yeah. Someday. And then Karen will die. And then Karen will die. Um, the Beatle was a Strange Tales villain, and next issue we get another Strange Tales villain. Who did it? Oh, the Trapster? Yeah. Pastepot Pete? Pastepot Peter Piper. I wonder what he's going to look like. I he imagine he probably... A, yeah, he already he got, got his a, overhaul. He got a cool outfit already. Speaking of overhauled people, our next issue is also a person from our old series. Oh, yes, different the Avengers initially. with Whirlwind. Yeah, who was initially called the Human Top and looked different. Uh, are we ready to move on to that? I'm ready. Take us away. Okay, Avengers number forty six. Fasten your safety belts. Safety belts, true believers, because Ant Man is back. And how the agony and the ant hill. Full disclosure: I read that cover and was like, "Oh man, I'm not gonna like this," but I kind of did. So I did too. Hey. It's almost like we're getting an homage to stuff we've already covered because his first yeah. story was The Man in the Hill. Yeah. It's like, have we been doing this long enough to start getting homages to old stuff? It, it felt like that, which is what I liked about it, kind of. But anyway, don't let the tranquil little tableau below fool you, faithful ones. The tableau below is like the Avengers just hanging out in a room. Uh, we've got a brand new yet ominously familiar supervillain lined up for you in a few pages. But first... Stanley editor Roy Thomas Ryder and John Buscema artists again pool their peerless powers with those of Vince Coletta, inker, and Sam Rosen, letterer. More you could ask for? Question mark. That was a weird way to say that. Okay, so yeah, Scarlet Witch, Goliath, Quicksilver, Hercules, and a pensive Captain America. And they're all like, this is really fun to hang out in this nearly decorated room, right, Cap? 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 What's wrong, Cap? And Cap's like, do I want to be Cap? I don't. And he stares out the window and thinks about that. Meanwhile, uh, Hawkeye arrives with a civilianly clad Black Widow. And they're like, yay, you're fine. You're not dead. And she's like, yes, but I retire. And then Wasp shows up looking all fancy in her new duds. And she's got a chauffeur or a driver or whatever you want to call him. And Goliath is like, whoa, that's against the rules, lady. You know better. And she's like, you're right. Not supposed to have strangers in the Avengers Mansion, even if it's just in this room where we're hanging out doing nothing. And Quicksilver's like, who cares? We could all kill him easily. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Let's get out of here. You better leave. And he's like, okay, ma'am. And he leaves, but he thinks to himself, anyway, I've seen everything I need to. (laughs) So then they all decide, let's go have some fun. And Hercules is like, yes, I will go with Scarlet Witch and... The, and the Hawkeye and the Black Widow as a double date. But first, let me dress like a person. So he puts on a suit and he shaves. So it's kind of cool. And they all go on a double date. We never see them again this issue. Meanwhile, the chauffeur turns out he's really the human top. But no, he's not even the human top anymore. He's upped his game. He's got a better outfit. And he goes by the whirlwind. And he wants to kill Goliath because that is his mortal enemy. Because it's the only enemy he's ever fought. And then we get a flashback to Strange... Tales? What are they? Yeah. Are they from Strange Tales? Or are they from Tales to Astonish? They're from Strange Tales. Tales to Astonish. Dang it. I always forget which one's which. Human Torch was in the other one, right? Yeah. Anyway, Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we get a flashback to his origin, which we already knew, but it's kind of cool to see it redrawn by John Buscema, but basically beat for beat of him being like a guy who just was born with these cool powers and he went to a life of crime fairly quickly. And then at some point he tackled Giant Man and Giant Man beat him. So now it's a sworn enemy. Um, so anyway, we're left back at the Avengers Mansion with just Quicksilver, Cap, Wasp, and Goliath. Goliath is working on trying to control red ants better than he used to be able to because those pesky red ants were always a problem for him. Remember that, kids? No, me neither. Um, and the Wasp is helping him and Cap's like, when it comes to ants, I'm useless. And Quicksilver's like, let's go to baseball. And he's like, hell yeah, that's American. And so they leave. Um, and are immediately and immediately Goliath and Wasp are attacked by the whirlwind. He comes whirling in through the wall. They get into a fight. Somehow the whirlwind, I think maybe because he's reconnoitering or something in the beginning, even though they weren't in this room. So it's kind of weird. But somehow he knows to press this button as the Wasp and Goliath stand in front of a machine. And it instantly shrinks them. But it doesn't shrink them in the normal way that they shrink. It shrinks them artificially. So they are literally just shrunken human beings. They don't have their cool, like, full strength. Wasp doesn't have her wings. She left her stingers in her other costume. They're kind of messed. And he tosses them into this big glass anthill full of red ants, which Goliath can't already control. And now he really can't control so they start running around, running away from these ants. They hide in, like, crevices and stuff like that. While they're hiding in one of the crevices, they spy through the case that Whirlwind is not stopping there. He's actually installing an explosive that's going to detonate in 10 minutes. So now they've got more stakes. Um, the two of them fight the ant together. Like, Wasp comes up with, like, or gets finds a stick or something, and the two of them fight, and she even, like, does some pole vaulting to help her husband out. Or <gasps> husband, sorry, spoilers. Boyfriend out. Um, it's all kind of cool. Very old school, like, Ant-Man adventurous uh, whatever. Meanwhile, the baseball game was canceled. I guess it rained out. So Steve and Quicksilver are back, and they notice a big giant hole in the wall. That's not good. So they come in, and they find Whirlwind, and he's like, whoops. Uh, but he manages to take out Cap pretty quickly, and then he even tricks Quicksilver by being slower than he really is, so Quicksilver doesn't fight him as hard as he can, and then he, like, goes faster and knocks Quicksilver out. Um, let's see. Goliath, after defeating the ants, barely. Oh, after defeating the queen ant or the king ant or whatever kind of ant it was that's the leader, Wasp does it. And so then all the other ants kind of start bowing to her, thinking she's the new leader, because that's how ant colonies work. And Goliath is like, okay, you just sit there and, like, keep them calm. I've got an idea. He finds, like, the control mechanism inside the tank, and he retrofits a tiny little um, ant crown thing instead of a helmet. And it works. He's able to control the ants. Um, meanwhile, Captain America wakes up and beats up Whirlwind because he wasn't paying attention. Um, Goliath climbs out of the tank. He finds something that allows him to amplify his voice, and he manages to shout to Ant-Man or Captain America and Quicksilver, hey, there's a bomb. You guys got about a minute. Quicksilver grabs the bomb, pulls a flash, goes as fast as possible into the ocean, uh, and it blows up, almost killing him as well. On his way back, he's flying because he can fly now. And while he's flying over New York, he hears a bunch of humans go, I bet, did you guys hear that explosion? I bet Quicksilver was responsible for it because he is a mutant. So he probably did something and made things blow up. And that really annoys him because he's been in an anti-human mood lately. Um, Whirlwind wakes up, gets away. Captain America helps Goliath and Wasp uh, grow back up. But somehow it doesn't 
it works, but they feel funny. So more on, I put a pin in that for next issue, I guess. We're not sure what the feel funny means, but they both feel weird, like something weird happened in the, in the regrowing process. Quicksilver comes back. He's cranky pants. He talks about how humans suck. They're both like, dude, we're humans. And he goes, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I was just in a bad mood. And then Goliath's like, well, thanks anyway. That was a cool adventure. And by the way, since Hercules is on our team now, my strength is kind of lame compared to his. So I've been thinking maybe I'll go back and forth between Goliath and Ant-Man because maybe Ant-Man could be more useful. And that's the end. Next issue, would you believe? Magneto. Dun, dun, dun. This was really fun. I liked this issue. Yeah, I did too. Um, there was a lot of really cool stuff in this f- from like mm-hmm. – new situation with Jan and her driver to Henry Pym getting insecure about his powers and doing a lot of stuff to change it to Quicksilver's angst rising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of good stuff. And even like I'm a sucker for for uh, moments of downtime, which we got in the beginning, and half yeah. the team goes on a date. Unfortunately, we don't get to see that date, but it's still cool that they do that stuff. I don't know. I like that kind of thing. Um and Natasha is done being Black Widow, and I really have no memory of how she goes back into costume, or if she even does before her revamp, wait, uh, which from our perspective is still a ways down the road, but you know, not that far. Uh, it's like a couple of years, but I'll be curious to see how this plays out. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know this isn't permanent, but it is interesting that, that she's quitting. Captain America is reading Tolkien. <laughs> That's right. And what did he say about it too? Like, this is my favorite or something. It's like, that's new. He just wanted to finish his chapter. So I used to be a really big Tolkien buff. I'm sure there's a lot of Tolkien buffs out there who are like bigger and deeper and know more than I ever did. But here's a little bit of trivia for anyone who is like surface level Tolkien fan. Did you know that the Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings is not a trilogy? It's six. Well, it is six little parts, but it was written to be a single book. Oh, and it had the six little divisions in it just because some books have divisions in them because of storytelling structure. Um, and But the printing press physical manufacturing technology at the time mm-hmm. could not support a book of that length. Mm. And so they had to split it up. And he didn't even get to choose the three titles, which is why the title of the third volume gives away the ending. Oh, gosh. So uh, it was it was published as a trilogy over a space of a few years, even though it was written to be a book. And the first single volume edition would actually come out the year after this. See, I always thought it was written to be six books, and they wanted to make it three for better selling. But uh, and I even once saw like an edition that was six books. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, the, that's and they really called cool. the Millennium Edition or something. I saw that yeah. too. I wanted it, but the binding was really crap on the version that I saw. Yeah. So I didn't pick it up. And I um, even thought like the Lord of the Rings. Movies could have been six movies instead of three because <laughs> well, it was so they were long for one thing, but also right. Like, like if you notice that first movie, not that we're getting into a Lord of the Rings thing, but the first movie, like Frodo almost dies twice, and it's like, dude, if they had split that into two movies, then he only mm-hmm. almost dies once. You know, it's not repetitive. Well, since the extended editions are spread out over two discs, you literally could watch it over six nights without any <laughs> That's any true. artificiality could, to it. I could just hit stop and come back later when mm-hmm. the. Second book comes out. But Cap says, I always was a sucker for far out fantasy. And it's like, that kind of gels with what we later find out about him being like an artist and drawing and stuff like that. Like maybe he does like uh, speculative fiction because that often goes hand in hand with people who like to draw on. Maybe just reminds him of his really koopy Captain America comics adventures. 
It might. What other <laughs> like what other far out fantasies? I mean, before Lord of the Rings, it was like in his day, it would have been like what Jules Verne and things like that. Uh, stuff that know. was published in like serial form in in the magazines and stuff. So you had like Tarzan, but that was published in magazines and then gathered in novels. Same with Conan. Um, but yeah, Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, but they were more sci-fi than fantasy. Um, That's true. Hmm. But but yeah, there's it's just an interesting thing to have him say. I don't know. I like it though. Yeah. What do you think of a? I, I'm not a huge fan of a beardless uh, Hercules, but it works with the suit. It does work with the suit. My question is, everybody else is ready to go, and like Hercules, do you want to go? He's like, sure. An hour later, <laughs> after well, he wait. showers and cleans up and shaves and cuts his hair. <laughs> well, he certainly can't go like that. No, no, he can't. He's really starting to try and fit in because, like, he wanted to be an Avenger. That's definitely different from when he first got to mm-hmm. Earth. And, like, now he's, like, trying to blend in with humans where before he just went to the bar and, I'm Hercules. Give me wine, you know? Right. So, I don't know. I think he likes his new friends. May took on Dr. Octopus as a boarder and Jan hires the whirlwind, AKA the human top as her driver. Yes. She's so fancy looking today though. I like it. Oh, Jan. They're like, I like seeing all her civvy outfits. Cause she's like Miss fashion lady. And they really yeah. like play that up in this one. It looks, it looks awesome. In fact, she changed. Oh no, she doesn't change. She stays with Goliath. That was actually, so Hercules is into Scarlet witch now too, or was he only into wasp? Um, he, I think is attracted to any woman that smiles at him. Honestly, I think he doesn't have any any thoughts about her. I was, I couldn't remember if he did or not, but he just was like, yeah, you're pretty. I'll go out with you. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think he has mentioned the beauteous Wanda at some other point previously, Mm -hmm. but you know, sure. That's just what he says to everybody. I I thought it was interesting that she's like, I prefer people to call me Wanda, not the Scarlet witch. So she's like, Mm -hmm. that's this superhero moniker that I'm kind of stuck with, but. That's not really my name. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It's a lot easier to say Wanda when you're at McDonald's. And, right. Hey, Scarlet Witch, what number do you want? On the Whirl- flashback for Whirlwind, uh huh. it said, Tales to Astonish, 50. Uh-oh. Did we they get just that wrong? did 98. Oh. Yeah, it's been a while. But I, th- I feel like when I read it, that's panel for panel almost like what we got, it yeah. seems like. Yeah, it is. Um, his upgrade is much, much better, but maybe that's just me because that's what I'm used to seeing and maybe it's not better. Maybe if you're not a comic fan, you think this outfit is really bonkers because I could buy that too. It's a little I bonkers like it. with this, with the strappy topless bit, but I like it more than turnip head. <laughs> uh-huh. The only thing he's still missing at some point, he gets, uh, saws on his wrist, which make him a lot more dangerous. Oh, maybe he gets this from gladiator later. He gets like a, you know, circular saws on his wrist. So when he spins around, he could slice you and dice you. We should talk about Captain America's thought train in this issue. Okay, It doesn't quite line up because this is supposedly before he goes out with Sharon that uh-huh. night, last issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't quite line up because here he's like, I don't think I want to be Captain America anymore. But in uh-huh. suspense, he only decided that because he didn't want to get in Sharon's way. Maybe it was a yeah. confluence of thoughts. Well, I feel like in Avengers, I think it's Avengers, if it wasn't Tales of Suspense, that there have been thoughts of him like not knowing what he wants to do or who he is outside of this role that he has. 
So yeah, that was an Avengers last issue because they had just done the quitting thing. So they put some thoughts last issue. They put some thoughts in here. So he does say, I'm in love with a mysterious, beautiful girl, a girl known as age 13, but have I a right to tell her while I still wear the mask of Captain America? Oh, so you're saying he like has a different reason for giving it up now. Mm-hmm. It feels like, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That is a little, not quite the same. But I, I like but, that they're trying. I just think that Thomas and Lee didn't necessarily talk as much as they could. I like that there's like I, – I mean, I think in the future – I could be wrong, but I think in the future he pressures her to quit without pressuring himself to quit, mm-hmm. which is much yuckier. At least with this, he wants to quit the active life too. Right. So he wants them both to in order to focus on a relationship and a family and not get killed and stuff. So that's a little less gross than I think he becomes later. There's just a different spots in their career because he's done the Captain America bit for a war and yeah. you know, the five years since he got out of the ice and she's young and is, you know, right. getting into being the top shield agent, the top female shield agent. So she wants to keep doing that. At least he's willing to sacrifice some bits himself for this, mm-hmm. though. I don't think that happens later, but I don't remember. I don't think it does either. I grew curious. They mentioned Iron Man and Thor, so I looked up to see when we see them again. They will be back in issues 51 and 52. They don't say what ball game they're going to, so that was a bummer. But I almost bet you a million dollars it was the Mets. Probably. Um, so like in the golden age, the Marvel always talks about the Dodgers. Because mm-hmm. that was like that was like the blue-collar team, right? But then they leave New York, um, and then eventually the Mets take over that spot, and they're the blue-collar team. Because the Yankees, you know, they win everything, right? So – Notice that Marvel now in the 60s is always talking about the Mets. And actually, I think the Mets came out the same year as Spider-Man. So like Spider-Man's like now known as a lifelong Mets fan, but like initially they didn't even exist. Oh, that's funny. When he was, when he was growing up. So there's some retcon stuff for you. That's cool. But Marvel like really likes to latch on to the to the the blue collar team because that's how they probably think of themselves. Probably. Because they're not the big stuffy DC people. They're, they're the, not the big stuffy DC people. And Kirby, you know, and all those guys, you know, they were probably like more Brooklyn than Manhattan. Right. Um, what was I writing down? I wrote down that at first I thought it was weird that uh, Hank and Jan got dizzy. But then they talk about how the um, the rays shrank them a different way. Is that made mm-hmm. sense? Because they use, they're used to changing size pretty instantaneously. But they say at first, oh, we changed so fast. We got dizzy. But no, it's it's a ray. It's not their usual size changing method. I think this was cool because otherwise this problem wouldn't have been much of a problem for them. This is like <laughs> no big deal. Mm-hmm. We're always small, but it was like they were shrunk and powerless. So it was like scarier. It was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm surprised because he used to have cybernetics in his howl. I'm surprised he didn't have that. Uh, the, I think there was verbiage about like how he transferred it into the tank when he was doing the experiment or something like that. I don't remember okay. exactly. It was some excuse. The whole red ants thing is kind of a big honking excuse because we've never heard that weakness before. No. That he he can't control red ants as well. It's kind of weird. It's it's one of those things that they've never talked about before, so they have to say it in order to set up the story right. But it used Mm -hmm. to be like basically all ants. I guess it was all carpenter ants, not these red ants. Mm -hmm. And I know it's just an ant, but did Jan's casual mention of killing it stick out to you? No. Maybe... I don't know, because I'm reading so much Superman, because I bet if this were a Superboy story or a late 70s, early 80s Superman story, he'd be all, mm. I must find a way not to kill this living creature. Whereas that's funny because like, I killed that guy, let's go. Because 40s and 50s Superman would have been like, oh no, a bear's attacking the circus. Let me throw it to the moon. Mm-hmm. It's just a bear. 
It's just a bear. It's just a creature. It's not a human. But it is. I do wonder about that because, like, yes, ants are disposable, and none of us really have a lot of empathy for ants, I guess. Don't write me letters. I love ants. Okay, I do too. I try not to kill anything. But, you know, when your house is overrun with ants, there's not a lot of, like, shushing them out into the, you know, into yeah. the yard or whatever. You got to just do something. So, but I wonder, like, how how Ant-Man and Goliath, who have a, or Wasp and Goliath, who have a very different perspective on size, like, how do they think of these creatures? And I think it's cool, like, in uh, in the MCU, like, how Scott Lang tries to name the ants he rides on, and he does seem at least slightly upset when they get killed. Mm-hmm. You Anthony. know, or something like that. Yeah, so it's like the fact that she's just like, oh, well, here's this one ant I killed. On the other hand, it's not like you can knock it out, probably. I mean, it's trying to kill you. Wasn't there even like one issue where the ant gave its life for him and he was all super sad at the end of the story? That sounds that being familiar. Issue. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first one. The very first one? Like when he wasn't Ant-Man yet. It's the first time he shrank. And oh. then like they made this big soliloquy at the end like how, you know, there's always, you know, that ant sacrificed himself for me. I'll never forget blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then again, if they're going to kill you, just straight up kill him back, I guess. They mention that Whirlwind is probably a mutant, which certainly fits what we have so far of. Uh-huh. But that just means that Hank was fighting mutants before the X-Men even showed up. I like that Whirlwind himself has never put that together. Yeah, he's like, I just had these powers as a kid. What, what? And then they're like, oh, I'm a mutant. That might explain why I can spin faster than other guys. I never right. noticed that before. I mean, you can't spin faster? Well, his origin, even when he narrates it, is like, I just found that I could spin faster than the other guys. And it's like, are you just saying, like, you practice harder or you had better muscles? Or do you actually understand that this is some sort of weird power that you have? Right. <laughs> so Quicksilver is gaining more and more resentment against mm-hmm. the humans. And next mm-hmm. issue, Magneto's going to show up. Yeah, gone is Mr. Avenger. That was kind of a fun brief period, but now he's kind of turning back into Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really like that Goliath recognizes that Hercules kind of covers the strength department on this team we have now. Mm-hmm. So let's see if I could bring something else to the table. It's a little I bit think of that's short, a great sm- idea. It, it's a good idea. It's a little bit of small man syndrome, which you know, is an, an intentional pun. But mm-hmm. I do like that Hank is trying to figure out how to be more helpful on the team. Because mm-hmm. we, 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 we've never liked him as a giant anyway, so he's always more fun when he's tiny. Certainly not in his own stories, especially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Roy Thomas is currently writing the Avengers and the X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. And if I recall, I don't know if it's this Magneto story, but there are stories coming up where the narrative actually goes back and forth. There's like Avengers X-Men crossover down the road a little bit. Do you find his Avengers much better uh, dialogue wise than his X-Men? Yes. That's just me. Why is that? I wonder why does he feel so verbal with the X-Men? What is, what is going on there? I think it's because I think it's because we're more emotionally invested in the Avengers story. We're enjoying it more. And Mm. so the, the dialogue feels more natural and important to the story. Yeah. Whereas in the X-Men, we're less invested, and so we're just trying to get through it. I just think yeah. I think the Avengers stories are better stories. That's probably what it is. I'm just more forgiving or something. But I, yeah. really, I generally don't notice any particularly bad dialogue when I'm reading Avengers. But X-Men, it's like, why did everybody in that panel have to comment on that crashing car? Every single person in that yeah, panel. Definitely. But just look at that last page, that last page of the Avengers story. That is covered in dialogue. But it just yeah. goes naturally. 
Yeah, it went naturally. So maybe he's just handling their stories better overall. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. All right. I do. I do think of him more as an Avengers guy than a X Men guy. So maybe he just doesn't gel with mutants. Yeah. When I talk about Roy Thomas and my opinions about his career, um, you know, his early Avengers stuff. It's 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 been good mostly. I th- I don't think we're at the great era yet. Um, no. I think we're about um, ten issues away from this book really flying into the stratosphere. His X Men stuff is just kind of middling for most of the run until mm-hmm. like the last year or so of the book, and then it picks mm. up a lot. But it's also mainly because of the art and the uh, story we get from the new artist. Right. But anyways, fantastic okay. four. On to King Kong number sixty nine. Sixty nine. So should I call this episode Fantastic Four? Nice. <laughs> yes, now you have to. Now I have to, okay. <laughs> okay, I feel like it was literally five minutes ago that I was eager to get to 66, and now here we are, 69, by Ben Betrayed. Um, treasure this intro, frantic one. It's one of the longest we've ever asked you to plow through. Though he looks like the famous Dr. Santini, the world's foremost chemist, this gloating fiend is actually our disguised mystery villain. We've, he's managed to affect Ben's brain chemically so that the now hate-filled thing is bent upon destroying the FF. You tried to make a fool of me, Richards. You said you'd change me back to Ben Grimm, but look at me. Now I know. You never wanted to help me. You always hated me. That's why you tried to kill me. But I want to make sure you never get a chance again. If this hasn't hit you where you live, we just plain give up. But if it does, what are we waiting for? Why are Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby the most honored creative team in all of comicdom? This Marvel masterwork will give you a few clues. Dazzling delineation, Joe Sinnott, lustrous lettering, Artie Simek, and away we go. So right into the action, Ben Grimm decides to just demolish Reed Richards. Reed shoots him with a ray. It doesn't quite work. Um, he manages to get out of the room. Sue's there like, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, thing grabs a ray and tries to shoot it at Richards, but she throws up a an invisible bubble. Johnny storm and crystal are hanging out. And he's like, Oh no, I've got to go. My friends. She's like, can I go with you? He's like, no, it's too dangerous for a girl. So he leaves the most powerful woman he's ever met behind and flies <laughs> off to the Baxter building <laughs> where he faces off with the thing. He saves his sister and her husband that takes him back to uh, their apartment with Crystal. And Richard is like, oh, no, this is my fight. I've got to stop Ben. I've got to help him. Um, Santini, with his mustachios, is talking to Ben about how Richards has all his equipment to work with. You mustn't let him construct a new weapon. You got to go stop him. So things storms off. Santini, meanwhile, is left all alone in Reed's lab. He starts looking over stuff. He's like, yes, I've got all these things here. Everything you've ever dreamed of. It's in these papers. And now for the time for subterfuge and disguise has ended. Spray my face with disguise melting perfume and reveal that I am the mad thinker. All of that makeup and my hastily grown mustache are gone. So um, back with our uh, Fantastic Three and Crystal, who's just sitting in a chair over there on the side. Uh, No, no, she's on a a sidecar. She and... um, Johnny and Sue, they all fly away because Reed Richards is determined to stop the Ben Grimm all on his own because it's his fault. This is all going down. So Ben shows up, runs at Reed. Reed dodges out of the way. Ben flies through the window. Reed's like, oh, no, I don't want to kill him. So he stretches down and grabs the thing. But then the weight of the thing pulls him right out the window as well. 
Uh, ben lands safely on a garbage can. Reed turns into a, uh, a flat plane of plastic and gloats, you know, floats down. Um, the Mad Thinker finds Reed Richards's negative zone portal. It's like, oh my gosh, I knew that this very split second I would find something amazing. That's what this is. Okay, so Reed Richards is still floating through the air on the air currents. Johnny Storm, after dropping up the gals, uh, has returned to the fight as a blazing fireball man. He goes down and fights Ben. Ben manages to spray him with water and douses fire. He's like, if he's not on fire, he can't hurt me. So I'm not going to hurt him. I'm going to go get Reed. So he starts King Konging up the side of the building. Meanwhile, the military are talking to Sue and Crystal, trying to figure out how they're going to stop the Ben. And like, you can't hurt him. Like, you can't have it both ways. Either we stop him or we don't. He's a powerhouse. We're not just going to ask him nicely. So they send in planes with bombs and guns. And while Ben Grimm is climbing up the side of a building, all these planes are flying around him. And even though the visual layouts are not necessarily evocative of King Kong. The events are very evocative of King Kong. Um, Reed Richards tries to uh, stop Ben. It doesn't work. Suit is nearby. She turns him invisible to save him from Ben's attacks. Uh, they get him on a plane and fly away. Santini, the real Santini, meanwhile, is in a dungeon saying, oh my gosh, let me out. Who's guarding me? <gasps> He's an android, but not an awesome android. Uh, the thinker is playing with the uh, negative zone portal. He decides that he is going to take some stuff with him. The negative zone will have to wait. He's got to get away and get back to the imprisoned Santini before the Fantastic Four find him. Um, Fantastic Four regroup, reconnoiter, and decide that they're uh, probably almost definitely up against the mad thinker because that's the only thing that makes sense in all of this. Santini must have been an imposter. So let's go find the mad thinkers headquarters. And meanwhile, Ben Grimm is falling off of the building. He was demolishing earlier. He grabs uh, some clothes to disguise himself in and saunters off into the afternoon, planning to finish off the FF forever. Next one down two to go. Wow. Who's the one down? Uh, Johnny is it not, was in the bed, or was he in a hospital, or no? Maybe oh yeah, that's was... right. He was he was he was weak at the end of the fight. So yeah, he is out. Yeah, this is like old school Ben gone crazy stuff. Yeah, and the FF seems to know how to like draw out a story in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they don't rush they don't tend to finish a story too early or do the Doctor Strange thing and go on and on forever. But like this definitely needed another issue. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. And not they didn't really accomplish a whole lot in these 20 pages. Except mm. for finding out who the bad guy is and having him like, you know, explore Fantastic Four headquarters a little bit. We're basically just still fighting Ben. We were fighting Ben at the beginning, we're fighting Ben now. Johnny's been taken out, but not a lot else. But that's not that's yeah. not a bad thing. It's just like it's kind of surprising that this is a solid 20 issue, 20 pages of reading. Yeah, because it's like the last issue is let's set let's figure out how to turn Ben bad. And then this issue is the repercussions of that. We get a whole issue of breathing room to fight a bad guy thing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And then presumably next issue will solve the problem. Presumably. But they are down, man. They're hurting. Mm-hmm. And and someone decided to back off on the whole uh, Invisible Girl miniskirt thing. Did you notice that? Uh, it's still the dress, but she decided to put on tights. 
Right. So she's unlike the rest of the characters. Now she's got like a dress and she's got like a line down the middle, but she's got blue mm-hmm. legs instead of bare legs. So I imagine tussling with Ben during that little playful fight they had at the beginning of last issue probably convinced her, if not already thinking about it, that maybe yeah. maybe some covering would be good. Maybe. Or the colorist just didn't get the memo or something. Well, by the end of last issue, she had blue on. Oh, okay. So she got over it. Yeah, I looked up. Because I noticed uh, the same thing you did. Boy, we called it. How did we know it was him? Because it just, like Reed said, it had <laughs> to be him. Did it just have to be him? There was really no other option? I couldn't think of any other option. The only thing that threw me off is that he had a mustache. And the thinker doesn't have a mustache. And they say here that he grew one quickly. I didn't know that was an option that you could just grow mustaches quickly. But he does mention here that he had a hastily grown mustache. So, Yeah. How do you hastily grow a mustache? I don't know. It's like when my band director, we got back from a trip really, really late. And he says, go home and sleep fast. <laughs> right. Because you got to be at school the next morning. Hmm. Um, yeah, we just saw the thinker six months ago in that Avengers story right after Hercules joined where he had the loser trio of henchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's here taking out the Fantastic Four. How old do you figure Crystal is in these stories? How old? Yeah. I mean, I know age in comics is kind of hard, but like, do you think she's a teenager or 20s? I would say right at the 19 to 21 range, like right around 20. It's like, I mean, the real reason is it's just misogyny, but like, I'm trying to come up with a reason why she's just fine with being put in her place all the time when she could actually cause a thunderstorm that kills the thing if she wanted to. Literally five minutes ago, she stopped a fight mm-hmm. by displaying to Johnny that you, I am the most powerful woman you have ever met. You right? don't need to fight over me. And yeah. I was like, no, no, no. So I'm looking here. forward to someday it's when she's just like. Because all the inhumans, like, the royal family are always like, uh, you stay here. Yeah. Oh, that could be why. Or she's just so into Johnny and cares more about him liking her than 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 having agency or something. I don't know. Maybe. It's it's boring, kind of, because like she's Crystal, and I want to see her fight. That would be cool. Yeah, and I think she is the first new member of the team. I think she joins the team to replace Sue the first time Sue leaves the team. Because she's pregnant? Mm-hmm. No, I think yeah. because either pregnant or because she actually has the baby, one or the other. Okay. So at that know. point, she'll hopefully fight, because if Johnny tells her to stay home all the time, that's going to be a really drag for a team member. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She needs to stop saying it now. But we're in this era where the Fantastic Four is really just like a a, 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 a not-so-applicable name. They're not four. They haven't really been four for a while because they had the Black Panther. They had a Wyatt Wingfoot. They have Crystal now. It's not four of them on this team. But still, only the three men are the ones involved in the fighting all the time. That's true. I don't know that I would call them official members, but I don't know how you figure that out anyway unless they actually say, would you like to be a member of the Fantastic Four? Mm-hmm. I guess if they're hanging out at the house, that's pretty good membership. Is this the same sand truck as in Iron Man? Like he just kept driving and. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yes. Jasper yes. left it in gear and it just kept on going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is fun. Cause like, this is probably the best thinker story we've had so far. Cause the fact that but he's I, the thinker is kind of incidental to the plot. He's just doing that's cool why. stuff. But then there is little bits of thinker on page 10 where it's like, or whatever it was, page something where it's like, there was a 98% chance I was going to find something. I guess this is the something. And it's like, wow, that is a lot of effort to not even know what your payoff is, you know? Mm -hmm. It's also really lame. Before we knew he was a thinker, he never said any of that stupid thinker stuff. He was just like being, you know, a mystery villain. Yeah. And what is he going to do with the negative zone? I guess it's an unlimited source of energy. Is that what he said? Something like that. 
once he leaves this issue, he's not around for a while. So I don't know what he's going to do with the negative zone stuff. Honestly, oh. I don't know what the payoff was of him being here except to turn Ben. Like, there's no Mad Thinker story payoff. He just turned really? Ben into the team. Yeah. Oh, I figured he'd be in the next issue still. That's interesting. How weird. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw he was not in the next issue, but I could be wrong. I'm going to go back and double check my, my chronology. He, uh, so he just comes in and ruins everything and leaves. That's kind of cool. Well, and everyone's all like, why would Ben turn against us? And I'm like, you mean besides all the other times he turned against you? Right. That does seem a little repetitive, doesn't it? How many times has this happened now? Uh, and, and it's not even just the repetitive. Oh, he is in next issue. I'm sorry. It's after this story. He doesn't come back for a while. He's in next issue. Oh. Okay, good. It is a little bit repetitive, but it's also like, you know that Ben has underlying resentment against this team. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not new, but oh well. So let's see. Before he was hypnotized once by the fa- the Frightful Four. I think that was the last time that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is said that he had a chemical change. So it's like, wow, what does that mean? That sounds permanent and kind of scary. Uh, chemical but also, change in his brain? He also doesn't kill the Human Torch, so maybe deep, deep down inside he still is okay. Or they just don't want him to kill the Human Torch because that'd be a bad story move. But I don't know. Yeah, every time he goes bad, that's not great because uh, he's apparently he's like the most powerful guy on the team because they always have a hard time taking him out. Maybe they should come up with an anti-thing thing. Like Batman would have come (laughs) up with an anti-thing thing by now. Like a stun gun to just take out Ben's strength. Yeah, right? Figure out what his weakness is and use it. I did like that he couldn't hurt Johnny. Yeah. Um, And I like that. I like that Reed can't hurt Ben. So that's like that adds to the dramas. They're not just trying to defeat him. They're trying to defeat him without hurting him, which is not easy, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, he's still got some. He's still got some Ben Grimm in him because I'm pretty sure that if he really were as angry as he were saying here, he would have just you know taken Johnny out, but he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when Santini looks out of his cell and makes a note that he's being guarded by an android, but it's not mm-hmm. the awesome android. So I was like, oh, he's gone. Oh, this is just and, the like the okay android. Yeah, but like the big old gray dude with the with the rectangle face, he will not be around. Until the 1980s, issue 14 mm. of Rom Space Night. Rom? Okay. Yeah. So that's just, I mean, oh that's. Oh, God. He's We're going to have to read table. Rom. I've heard good that's, things about Rom. I, I, I had one Rom issue, and I don't even remember which one it was, but uh, yeah, it was fine. He's always looked like a weird character to me. It's a really crap toy with a really cool series. Is Rom a robot, or is he a person with a, a knight outfit? He's a, pre, he's, he's, he's a person with outfit. Because I think someone listed him as a robot the other day, and I thought, that's wrong. But I didn't have enough ROM authority to say that's wrong. So I didn't. Now I I'm, wish I had. I'm pretty sure he's a person outfit. He's, he's a space knight. Yeah, he has space armor. knight. ROM the space knight. So you would think that'd be a person with armor. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah, um, cool issue, though. I don't know what else I have to say cool about Very cool issue. But. I don't have much else. Um, Ben's going to still be mad next issue. Mad Thinker does come back to finish out the story next issue. And then he won't be around for a while after that. Captain, Captain Marvel 12 is mad. He's going to get sucked into the negative zone. That's it. Watch, watch, watch. And they're going to come home and be like, someone got sucked in there. What happened? Oh, well. Shrug. I had written down with these issues that in 100 episodes we'll be done with the 1960s. But since we have sped up our progress, mm. it's like 80 episodes. That's nothing. In 80 episodes, we'll be done with this decade. That's still a year-ish and two. Yeah. A year and a half. 
year and a 52 half. 52 plus 26, <laughs> 78. In a yeah. year and a half. That's crazy sauce. It is. And All then right. we retire. Yep. We, we have to start feeding that again because we haven't scared them in a while. So We haven't. <laughs> I don't know. As we're recording this, our Make Ours Marvel No More episode has not yet come out. So I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> That was only like 10 episodes ago that, that, did, that we did that. So, yeah. Um, hopefully they forgive us. Yeah. All right. So, homework. Homework. Next episode, we'll be covering five more issues. The X-Men 38 with The Blob and The Vanisher and starting a new backup series, The Origins of the X-Men. Also, Amazing Spider-Man 55 where Doc Ock wins. Don't get mad at me for spoiling. It's on the cover. Sergeant Fury 49 on to Tarawa. At last, the Howlers blaze into action in the Pacific. Have we had them in the Pacific before? It's a battle mag bombshell you'll never forget. Strange Tales 164, Doctor Strange versus Nightmare. And he gets the lead spot in the book. So I had to like flip through to see what uh, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing. Um, we have Nick Fury getting shot by Yellow Claw. When comes Black Noon? Is Black Noon just when you're still hungover from last night? I don't know. And finally, <laughs> Thor 147, The Wrath of Odin. We have Loki fighting Thor on the cover. And in the backup Inhumans Origins, we have the reason why. Why did the Inhumans evolve faster than any other race on Earth? <gasps> That's what Odin. I wanted to know from last episode. Okay. Odin be all like, why are you stealing a gold cow, you bad son? Right. I'm going to give you my wrath. Here's some wrath. It's gift wrapped. Here's some wrath. Oh, wait, and wait, wait, it, wait, wait, oh. wait, wait, wait. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, I was going to tell him where to find more Odin wrath, but what else? What else? Well, we're going to start October next month. I'm sorry, mm. next next episode. Uh-huh. And you know what's going to happen in October? What? Marvel oh, Super yes, Heroes I do. 12. I do know. So we are, we are I'm- so close. Quite excited about that. More so, I'm really trying to curb my excitement because I know it's not going to be as cool <laughs> as I think it is. But I'm just like kind of really excited about delving into that because I've never really done it before. So yeah, I never read it, and it's uh, it's a new character. So you know, yeah, yeah. I never read Doctor Strange before either, though. So hey, you never know what happens. Right. Uh, where can they find us, Mike? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as there, your original segment was going to be. Sorry. <laughs> there you well, it's like forgetting what we were supposed to say. At makearsmarvel.com, or you can just type makearsmarvel in your favorite podcast app. But if you go to makearsmarvel.com, you can find the links to your favorite podcast app or just a general RSS feed. You can find links to our social media on Facebook, on Twitter. So join in the fun there. Or if you want to get personal, you can write us a letter through the contact form on the website or directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. But don't get too personal, because like not too personal. We both have very fragile egos. Uh, or at least yes, I do. but I don't we also have egos, so we like personal. But yeah, that's true. Positive um, personal. That's all right. Positive personal. Also on the Make Ours Marvel website, you will find a PayPal link if you'd like to contribute to the financial burden of the show. We always appreciate it. Never expect it, but it is greatly, greatly. Thank you so much. Um, I am on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Mike is on Twitter. He can be found at Kaiser the Great. And uh, yeah, so be back next week. And until then, or until the Beatle becomes an Avenger, make ours marvel. marvel.